0: All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of the Deer Gear Podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. Today's conversation, I'm sitting down with Tyler Terry. Uh, you may have heard him on the last few archery-related podcasts. George uh, does join us in this conversation, but Dorj slept in a little bit, so he joins us a little late. But this podcast is about my experience switching my bow from an 85% let off to an 80% let off, and the results that I have seen from that. 85% let off mods are super popular with bow hunters because you can hold the bow back longer in theory But what I have found is that may not be the case and listen I just was on a hunt in North Dakota Killed the biggest buck of my life and I was at full draw for longer than a typical shot And I had absolutely no trouble keeping the bow drawn back one because my adrenaline was going and two Because I practice with my bow the benefits far outweigh the negatives in the switching from 85 to 80% let off. If I could go down to 75% let off with my V3X, I probably would. Right now may not be the time that you want to tinker with your bow setup. I don't suggest it. Season opens very shortly, but bookmark this conversation, listen listen to it, and remember it for when next year rolls around and You're setting up your bow for next year. I promise you, this isn't a conversation you want to skip over. Before we get into this podcast, like I said, I just got back from North Dakota, and I killed the biggest buck of my life. Full velvet. I mean, just the hunt of a lifetime. I'm absolutely so blessed to have that experience. So if you guys want to hear that story, let me know, and I will record a podcast on that story. Also, guys, for a limited time, the Exodus Render is on sale on the website, so it is discounted. You have to go to the website and check out what it's actually going for. Just because we're excited to get season rolling, we know you need to get some last minute cameras out there. That camera is usually $335, backed by a five-year warranty, powered by the Verizon network, and we have it marked down on the website for a very limited time. So you have to go to the website, exodusoutdoorgear.com, and see what those are selling for right now. But I promise you, it's a very attractive price so get those last minute cameras out and while you're heading out to the woods maybe you listen to this podcast so thank you guys for listening let's get into the podcast with Tyler and eventually George. Is that a Pepsi you're drinking this at, at seven in the morning?
1: It is. Man. <laughs> I'm not a coffee drinker. You're lucky it's not a Mountain Dew.
0: <laughs> well, guys, here we are. Um, welcome back to the Deer Gear podcast today. I'm chopping it up with Tyler Terry. Um, I don't know if George forgot about us this morning or not, but he's not here with us. So Tyler and I are just going to talk and I'm excited for this conversation. Tyler, how are you doing this morning?
1: Doing awesome, man. How are you?
0: I'm doing pretty good. So, um, I leave today for a hunt, North Dakota. I'm headed to North Dakota. And, um, man, you made a recommendation to me in a podcast previously. And I worded it in a way that I was like, he has to answer this in a way that's going to give me some conviction in it. And I said, I'm shooting an 85% let off bow. Should I lose sleep over that? Should I change to 80? Will it make that big of a difference? And you informed me that you think it will. So for people that may not have listened to that podcast, kind of talk about why you made that recommendation to me. And then we'll talk about what it did for me.
1: Yeah. So, you know, the deal is basically is the more let off that you have. So the less holding weight you have at full draw, the more critical your setup becomes. And it's even, you know, And even though a lot of people in their mind think hunting bows are light, with the modern stuff nowadays, and as long as the risers are, and and we've got big cam eccentrics and all that stuff, by the time you put all that together, hunting bows aren't light, unless you're running maybe one of the PSE carbon bows or something, but even like Hoyt's carbon bows, they're still not super light. I mean, we're still talking four plus pounds and then by the time you add everything to it. So when you have hardly any holding weight, it's even harder to support the bow. So it's not gonna aim and point the way you would really like it to. Um, you know, and, and it's subjective, right? So for some people that are hunting at 20 yards or less out of a tree stand or whatever, you can get away with a lot, right? But if you're gonna be anywhere that you're having to make extended range shots with a bow, it absolutely makes a difference. And, and, and there's more to it than just the how the bow aims you're gonna run into less tuning issues when you have a bow that has a little more holding weight. Um, I'm not saying that you need to go from seven pounds or whatever you currently have to 22 pounds, like what a lot of target archers or something like that would have. But there's a lot of people that fall in that, you know, 14 to 17 pound range. There's a lot of like even target guys that fall right in there somewhere. And really that's a happy medium. You know, And a lot of these bows now, people shooting, you know, 70 to 75 pounds, when they do make from like the 85 to an 80% let off uh, transition, you know, they're going from eight or nine pounds of holding weight to like 14 or 16 pounds of holding weight in there somewhere. Um, and the reason that, that you think, well, that's not 5%, that math doesn't work out. Well, it's because the company's math doesn't work out. Most of these bows, when they say they're 85% let off or generally more than that. Um, and generally when they tell you it's 80%, it's more than that also. Um, it's rare to find one that really hits the number on, you know, cause a lot of these bows, even like down to the 65% let off bows, these days are like 68, 70, they're, they're not 65%. So, um, you know, but that's kind of irrelevant. What I'm basically getting at is, is when you're able to point and aim the bow better, you have a little more tension in the system itself You're going to have less tuning issues. So, your hand position, your facial pressure, all those things become less critical. So, now you have a bow that's going to point better and you're going to, it's going to tune easier. It's going to fly broadheads better. Everything about the system, how it puts energy into the arrow, all of that that is going to be uh, benefited by having um, less let off.
0: Yeah, I have experienced that exactly. And so, I went from, and The 85% on uh, Matthews V3X, I was shooting 65 pounds. Uh, I think my holding weight was around seven, seven or nine pounds. I think yeah. seven to seven pounds. And I now switch those mods out and I'm holding. I also got new cables. So I, my poundage creeped up a little bit. I'm pulling 68 and I'm holding 14. So I'm like right at 80%. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first thing I noticed was I like, I have a hard time moving my pin off the target. Like mm-hmm. I have my, my pin float is way less. I'm mm-hmm. so much more steady with mm-hmm. my front arm than I was ever before. And I had that, I had that same phenomenon with my triax because my tracks was an 80% bow. And With my V3X, I took the stabilizer off and everything, so I had no weight on the bow, and it was just, like you said, it was light. Um, It was sort of light, but it almost made it float more because I could could maneuver it and move it around, and I have shot night and day different from just switching those Mm -hmm. mods out. It's been like, I didn't think, honestly, it was like, okay, let's see.
2: But mm-hmm. this is
0: really worth it. And man, it's it's a change that I'm glad I made. And I, I'm even like I wish they made 75 pound percent or 75% let-off mods yeah. for for the V3X.
1: So we a quick story. I had a customer come in yesterday and we've done some work on his bow. He's shooting um a, a V331. Um, and he was talking about it. he goes, Manny, when I first got this bow, I really liked it. He goes, But when you first get anything new. You know, you, you want to like it so much that you believe you do, he goes, until you really spend some time with it. And he goes, what do you think about the bows? I said, they're phenomenal. I said, you know, you get it set up right, it's a great boat. You know, and and he goes, he goes, I know, he goes, but man, I've got a, you know, like a 10 year old Hoyt. And he goes, I just feel like I shoot it better. I said, well, bring it here. And he brought it in, we had them both next to each other and I drew the one back and I showed him the scale basically. And then we put the other one on the draw board, drew it back, and then I showed him the scale. And he's like, well, what am I looking at? I said, I want you to look at your your holding weight number. So what this thing is holding at full draw. And I showed it to him. And he goes, well, wow, that Hoyt's got a lot more. You know, because he was, he was about eight and a half pounds with his Matthews. And he was like 16 pounds with his Hoyt. And um, I said, honestly, I said, this is probably the difference. And the Hoyt was a little lighter bow, believe it or not um overall like mass weight total weight of the bow setup was a little lighter and it had more holding weight I said this will always aim better and I said and you will get through your release better with this bow as well it's just going to be cleaner everything about the shot's going to be a little cleaner I said before you make your mind up on this v 3 let's change the module go to the 80% mod, I'll build you a string set for it, I'll change the finish diameter a little bit, we'll get your holding weight up a little. So now he's got a 75 pound um, V3 instead of the 70 and he went to the 80% mod, he's got like 17 and a half pounds of holding weight. And it absolutely jams now. it took him about a day of shooting it to kind of get used to the extra holding weight. Cause when you go from eight and a half pounds to 17, that's your, it doesn't sound like much, but it's dramatic. Like it is a dramatic difference. Um, but now he's not thinking about selling his bow anymore. He's rocking the bow and he's, and he's, uh, you know, cause he was getting ready to punt it and just shoot his 10 year old bow you know, and I was like, man, that's totally unnecessary. Let's just change the setup a little bit. And, and if you still don't like it, well then obviously it's not for you. You need to shoot something different. I was like, but it's completely changed how he perceives that bow. And, and a lot of this is, is whenever you're comparing your new rig to an old rig or something that you shot really well, you really need to try to compare apples to apples. And you really got to look at, you know, how was this other one set up? And is this one even close to that? Or, you know, cause I used to take notes on all my rigs for a long time. So when I'd make a draw length adjustment, I'd write it down and just basically write down what I was seeing, um, feeling, so forth, and then just kind of keep notes. And then as the years go on, I've kind of narrowed it down to a string angle that I shoot really well and a poundage and holding weight that I just shoot really well. There's, I've found kind of my happy medium over the years of just kind of tinkering, right? So. And that documentation is what's kind of helped me narrow it down. I'm not saying everybody needs to go out and write down everything that you do. But for me, because I played with so many bows and did so much tinkering that it was hard to kind of keep track of what was really good, because I would have some that would be great. But, you know, then I'd make little tweaks and stuff and it maybe get a little better. Sometimes it'd be a little worse. So when I was, you know, tinkering with all that stuff all the time, I really had to document it just to kind of keep track of myself. Um, and it, you know, it's really narrowed me down to what is going to works best for me. And I always find that for, for me, really, even a little lighter bow, I used to run a really heavy stabilizer setup and stuff. Um, I don't anymore. Um, I run a little lighter bow, but still manage to shoot quite a bit of holding weight. You know, I'm 20 plus pounds of holding weight, even in my hunting bow. And everybody's like, well, man, what would you, why would you do that? Well, it's just like anything else. You get used to it. You know what I mean? At first, yeah, it's probably not going to be great. You're going to maybe struggle to keep it at full draw, but after a week of shooting it, you'll forget that you're even worried about it. You know what I mean? And the benefits far outweigh the negative side of it. Um, The only negative side of the holding weight is what you're capable of doing physically. That's the only thing
0: that I found. What I have, so at first I'd like hold it back and I'm like, Oh yeah, it does want to kind of jump on me because Mm -hmm. I've, um, when I was shooting such high let off and I was a whole, only holding seven pounds back there, your muscles almost completely relaxed. Cause you almost have to force that bow down when it's at yep. 85. Like you have to kind of really let go. Yeah. yeah. And, um, it made me, it made it harder for me to execute a proper shot. So I also switched to a thumb release this year and yeah. I didn't have to pull to pull through my shot. So Just I found your
1: hand on fire. Yeah. Yeah
0: and i i found myself like punching the trigger to make it go off because i just wasn't i wasn't pulling with this Mm -hmm. i have to focus on keeping my shoulder blades back and i have i have to have better form and like like i just put a little bit of i just torque my hand a little bit and boom i get that surprise shot yeah and it, it has made executing a shot better for me and i'll catch myself if i'm shooting I'll shoot like consistently low for like four shots. I'm mm-hmm. like, dude, pull through. Mm-hmm. And then you, I pull through and whoop, right through. So um, it's yeah. helped a lot. And I've had people tell me, I had one, one of my buddies was like, I could never hunt with that weight. I, I switched my mods. I bought them. I could I can't hunt like that. I said, yeah, um, I understand that. But when you have that adrenaline going and you have the deer coming in, like you're not even going to think about your that. bow. No. Like it's You hold that thing back for an hour.
1: And, you know, and there's the benefits of that thing when you have, you know, for instance, when you have more tension in the system or on the string. if you have a face mask on or if your hand position is not perfect, because when you're shooting out of a tree stand or if you're excited, and you're spotting stock something, and you're on one knee or on a side hill or whatever, it's not going to be the same as it is in your backyard. It's just not.
0: Right.
2: So,
1: you know, and the higher your let off is, the more critical all those things become and you're. Your arrow flight, you know, we're trying to fly broadheads here. We're not talking about field points. So anything you do that is going to change that arrow flight out of the bow, essentially you're changing point of impact downrange. For me, the forgiveness comes. And, and even there's days that, you know, my sight picture may not be as good with the extra holding weight. Some days initially, when I first start, when I go back to shooting, like if I start shooting a, a lower holding weight bow, initially it'll just be motionless and for about three shots i'll shoot it really good and then i get lazy and then i start my misses are big Mm -hmm. so my misses with a low holding weight bow are big my misses with a high holding weight bow something that's you know 17 plus pounds are very minor and even though my pin may be more nervous it's nervous in the middle you know what i'm saying yeah and my shot dispersion is very small So there is no big miss um, where with a low holding weight bow, I get the big misses. You know, it'll be, you know, four or five inches away from where it needs to be, not a half inch away from where it needs to be. So, you know, the thing is too, and, and here's something to think about, and this is maybe an easier something to wrap your head around. So if we're outside and I fill you up a five gallon bucket full of water, and I'm like, hey, carry that over there. If you just have one five gallon bucket full of water, It's hard to walk with. It runs into your knees. You're hunched over. You have all these problems. But if I took two five gallon buckets and filled them up and told you to walk with them, you could almost take off running with the damn things, right? Because you're balanced Yeah. at that point. You're balanced. Even though it's more weight total, you are balanced. So it's easier to manage. You do the same thing with your bow. Okay. So I need you to think about that. So why the hell would I have all the weight in one hand Yeah, and not any in the other? Right. Because the thing is, is this kind of start when people talk about, well, I can't hunt with that. Well, maybe it's because we need to work on you first and it's a, and it's a shot thing. So what tells me if you can't hold four pounds difference. So if you're, say you go from eight pounds to 12 pounds, and that's uncomfortable, it's because you're shooting your bow wrong. Okay you're trying to hold all this weight with your hands and forearms and not with your back or big muscles. It also means you probably got a drawing that's wrong. Right. Because when you have everything where it needs to be supporting the extra weight is easy. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, you know, so, and this is not me trying to pick on people. This is just telling you the truth. These are the things that create these issues. Yep. So if you're only ever going to benefit from having more hold. Now, I'm not saying everybody go out and try to make a bow that's got 30 pounds. That's ridiculous. We did that in 1995. You don't have to do that. <laughs> um, where, you know, there's, there's some really good options though, you know, and I'm not saying do something crazy and uncomfortable, but get in the teens, get, in, get to 13 pounds, you know what I mean? And then maybe work your way up from there. You know, and there's a handful of bow companies out there that are, I think, understanding the benefit again And forever everybody wanted to make bows easier to shoot, but by making it easier to hold back, it made it more critical to shoot.
0: Yeah. So,
1: you know, draw cycles and all that thing. So now we're still maintaining a really high performance draw cycle, but we're able to get, you know, holding weights back to something normal and and it's really increasing the bow's efficiency and ability to tune it. They're less critical. Um, you know, so there's a handful of bow companies out there now that are going back to make giving you options. So if you if you believe that you need the 85 or 90% let off, you can shoot a bow that way. Um, But they do have the option to go even down to 75, 65. Some of them, I even know like, like Darton and PSC and a couple others. I mean, you know, I think Darton's got like 67% mods for a lot of their bows. Wow. Um, You they're not necessarily going to advertise it, but that kind of stuff's available. Um, PSE, you can get the low let off mod for their bows, which is 65 to 75%, and it's adjustable. So you can play with it and figure out what you need. Elite has bows like that. Matthews just has the two, but the difference between their 85 and 80 is pretty tremendous. So the 80 is definitely better. There's people that are going to hear this and argue with it, but I promise you, if they go out and do their due diligence and make the changes, shoot, shoot them against each other, if they don't have better results, it's because they don't want better results.
0: Yeah, they I want did, to
1: believe they want to believe they were right first, because there is no benefit to the
0: higher level. That's that's like human nature, right? Like you don't want to yep. admit that you don't want to admit that you're wrong or yep. that you didn't have it right the first time. But listen, 100%. I am a student of the game here, and I'm trying to listen. I care so much about deer hunting. I'm not a target archer but I care so much about deer hunting. it means so much to me that I need everything going into that hunt to be perfect. Right. I need, I need it, I need to have confidence in it. And I was struggling, man. I, I'm not scared to admit it. I was not confident. And, um, I did exactly that. So I took, I still have the 80% mods. Um, my tech was like, here's the 85, here's the 80. he showed me how to change them out. I took it to the range and I shot the 85. I was like, okay. That's what I'm used to. I'm not shooting this very good. Swapped it out with the 80%. And man, it just made like right off the get, it made a big difference. Yeah. And for me, the biggest thing was how, how much steadier I could hold the bow. Yeah. And like the, the shot execution, like everything you mentioned there was just a lot better. I want to kind of get a little technical with you, if that's okay, okay. Yeah. on what happens to the arrow at launch from an 85% like what your arrow has to withstand mm-hmm. from an 85 to an 80% let off but before before you answer that we have Mr. Dorge Huang on the line so uh. we're gonna let old George in and uh we'll see what he has to say I text I told Tyler I said well he has his notification silent, so I don't think he's gonna be in here for a while yeah. but um, what we're doing is we're talking about um me switching from 85 to 80% let off and what it's done for me. And uh, we're about to get a little bit technical. So it's a good thing that you joined us. And I want, um, I guess you guys can both tackle this together and um, kind of work off each other. But I want to know what happens to the bow and to the arrow that makes the bow more efficient or the arrow more efficient when you switch your your let off.
2: Actually, no, it's, the, the real re- reason is none of the above. The real reason is you. Hmm. It is that much easier for you as a human to shoot that's the biggest deal from 80 to 85 and remember i talked about it last time it's a third easier
0: <laughs> yeah yeah you you add 33 percent more yep. holding. Room.
2: yeah i mean you you now have that much i'm holding abilities i mean it's it, it pretty much that's it but I'm you also, also drive
0: mm-hmm. you also have um Tyler also mentioned that the bow and the arrow, it's going to tune easier when you don't have that massive amount of let off. So I'm just trying to understand why that happens. What happens to the arrow? What does the arrow not have to withstand anymore? Or what does it have to do when it's released?
2: Well, in so many ways, uh, the the arrow actually now, remember, we're talking about 80 to 85% off. The arrow actually at that moment is being compressed a third less initially. That means the, I mean, remember you're talking 80 to 85 to 80, okay? So in other words, you're actually in, in percentage wise is 15% to 20%. Mm-hmm. But in actuality, it's doing about three to four. That's the difference. So the arrow actually being compressed a third less when you move from 85 to 80%, which mm-hmm. means the recovery rate of the arrow is also faster.
0: That's what I figured.
2: Right, but then the compression reaction rate of the arrow also decreases. That also makes the arrow a whole lot easier to tune. I mean, in, 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 a, in the sense of a fishing talk, it's like you got a, you got a rod that's good for seven gram, and all of a sudden you decide to put 10 gram on it. I mean, can you throw it? Yeah, but it's not using the capability of the rod. Same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a fisherman, so sometimes I would like to go using that mm-hmm. analogy, but it, of course it, I lost people too, yeah. but that's okay. But you know, that's, that's not just that. that you, you see, that is where the holding of the bow come in, because you're holding a lot more control, because you do not change. But mm-hmm. the effort of it, I mean, I think the best way to describe it is like you imagine you got a superpower, just like the first generation power steering comes out. How does the car feel when you drive at high speed? Not good. Mm-hmm. Because you have no control over it. Because at the end of the day, the bow. What you need is not just holding; it's control. When it is so light, you lose your control. You make the bow a lot more difficult to shoot. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of people say, "Oh no, it's good enough." It's so much easier. Yes, yeah, just like yeah, you can turn the steering one finger, but at eighty-five miles per hour, you also go into the dish with less than a finger. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's the same idea. It's a matter of how you want to control it. Remember that at the end of the day, your finger controls that trigger to, the, to the, the release. So the arrow goes out, but the arrow got touchy because you have more compression. At the same time, you holding the bow also have less rigidity that you also less control. When you compound all of them, remember one's one on top of the other. Mm-hmm. For anybody like yourself, I mean, the easiest thing to, co- to convince anybody say, okay, you don't shoot well with 85. Let's throw an 80 on it. How much speed do you lose? No, you don't lose speed. You, you gain speed. Gain speed, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Second, how much accurate, more accurate do you shoot? Well, I'll let Cameron tell you because he just <laughs> did that as we told him to, isn't it? Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. It's been, uh, we talked for like the first 20 minutes or so. Like it's been a night and day difference. And one thing I want to point out is you talked about control and you talked about you as a human and uh, mm-hmm. com- compounding on not necessarily perfect thing so for example uh, if you look at me shoot i don't have very good form i'm not the best archer i put a lot of facial pressure on the string because i'm i'm bringing mm-hmm. my head down door mm-hmm. just po- pointed that out to me when i have less let off on the bow that facial pressure becomes way more critical to that string than mm-hmm. if if i didn't have if i had more holding weight it would affect the string less
2: Absolutely. That's the reason I told people, imagine you're teaching all the young kids like NASP and then tell them you should start shooting both at say 70% off. No, they will all hate archery. Yeah. They really, they would because you can't help them. You literally, you're screwing the entire form, everything up. You can, you do not want to do that. I yep. mean, the first thing is about form control. That's the reason, you know, remember we talked about the time the peep sights and also the, 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 the sight pin that's when hunting comes in. I mean, yes, you need to learn your form, but what happened when you don't have a form? Mm-hmm. Now imagine what happened that you, you have to rely on your peep side and your sight, and then you have twisted your body. Now your form is gone, your control is gone. Now you got a 85 or 90% of Some people tell me they want it. What do you think the arrow gonna do? I mean, yes, just like some old timer told me you should never, ever, ever shoot a deer that's over 25 yards. I say it's like telling the guy who got a loader, you should never shoot past 30 yards because that's what the Redcoats have done. Oh, well, you know, the Redcoats are like 200 years ago. <laughs> oh, if you know, you, you do know who the Redcoats are, right? <laughs> yeah. 100%. <laughs> Tyler, I, I, I...
0: <laughs> Tyler, do you have anything to add there?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's something to think about, you know, because as a whole, I guess the majority... I guess I could technically now say the majority, the majority of hunters now shoot some form of mechanical broadhead. Um, But for those that still like to shoot like a fixed blade head, um, well, I mean, any broadhead really, because let's be real, they're all longer. Well, not all, most are longer than your field point. They have a different shape. The drag coefficient is different. um, And they, you know, there's something exposed on most of them you know, other than like the thorn broadhead, pretty much all of them have a little bit of exposed blade surface or activation surface of some sort. So when you've got a really, really high let off bow and it comes out of the dwell zone and then it ramps up into a vertical power stroke and it warps that arrow basically, it's gonna bend it or originally deflect it at launch. So what he's talking about is it's gonna compress the arrow way more. So what happens when it does that? you need to take your arrow and just slightly bend it and then bend it a little more. And imagine what does that do to planing surfaces on your broadhead? It dramatically increases all of that stuff, right? So there's where some of the, the tuning issues come from. It's, it's gonna take that arrow longer to start flying on its own and on a, on a single axis than it, than it ever will out of a bow that has a smoother power transition. So the energy is being put into the arrow way smoother on a bow that has less let off okay so how that transition works is very important and then it's also going to affect what your downrange performance is because when we put less harmonic in the arrow from the start we've retained more energy from the start so we're going to lose less at range so again there's only benefits we've increased our arrow speed we've established that we've made the bow more forgiving from a human error shooter standpoint. We've given it more ability to fly a broadhead or, uh, or something else on its own. I mean, we, we could keep going. There's more, there's more benefit to this. So again, why are we continuing to produce products built to only hurt our performance, not help it? Because it gives so- people
2: one number. It is yeah. less to hold. You can easier. hold longer with yeah. It, it, no, it's actually not easier. It's actually touchier. Yeah, I
0: no, mean, it's I, like it, it, yeah, in their head, like oh, this is going to be easier for me.
2: Yeah,
1: no archery. The perception is reality. Oh well, I believe it's easier for me to hold back. This bow is
2: easier to shoot. Wrong. What's your yeah, target? No. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. What's we the process? Yeah, yeah. I mean, just yeah. like uh, I remember the time which I was again used Jim Burns the ability of teaching me. You say that the best way to know how good you hold a bow, get yourself a laser pointer that screw onto your field point. Pull the bow back and find a 25-yard point and hold that laser on it. You know how good your holding is. Mm -hmm. Because see, people say, oh, the bow is so balanced. Yep, do that test. You you scare you how bad you are. Yeah.
0: Yep. I've had that, I've had that happen and I could just see it um my pin float is way less like i i'm when i draw back like i'm there i'm on the target target acquisition has been way faster so yes uh, and in a hunting scenario that's huge um i mean George you talk about that with uh switching out just like the titanium kit what that does yes. for your target acquisition will co- like right. compound this stuff and it's going to get even even faster
1: yeah cuz right. the boat is going to settle a lot faster so when you have mm-hmm. more tension in the system overall, the bow settles way faster. So when you draw one back, then say it's a fairly heavy bow, you've got how everybody now wants to shoot 50 ounces of stabilizer weight on their bow and you don't have a ton of holding weight. When you draw back, that thing going to take it a minute to finally settle down. You know what I mean? So then you've already been at draw for four seconds waiting for your bow to quit moving. Mm-hmm. Then once it quits moving, then you can start executing your shot. So now you have prolonged everything. Yep. you know so when we're in a hunting situation i want to draw back and have a motionless pin as fast as i can mm-hmm. then it gives me time on targets less fatigue is less everything about the shot is better
0: yep yeah i, I so i think what i'm gonna do is um obviously this year i'm done changing stuff <laughs> i'm <forgetting laughs> i'm done with it but next yep. year um i'm going to switch the triax mods from 80 to 75 percent and I shot that triax like a dream and I want to see what it does at 75. So I'll start messing with that stuff in March or something. when when season's over.
1: I think for what? like a lot of the, the Matthews guys, is there like that little TRX 34, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of a crossover bow, right? Like you can hunt with it. You can do a lot of things with it. And the cool part is I've seen a lot of people hunting with that bow. And the neat thing is, is you can get 70% mods for that thing.
0: You mm. know what I
1: mean? you yeah. can get 75 70 and 80s so all together it's always going to have more holding weight than what their technical hunting line will have mm-hmm. but you know that little bow tune super easy it's ninja quiet and you know people look at it because it's technically in the target line so everybody's trying to classify stuff and put it in mm-hmm. its own pile over here we got to throw all that crap out the window a bow is a bow you mm-hmm. can shoot targets with any of them you can hunt with any of them doesn't make it damn what it says in the catalog or whatever a bow is a bow so mm-hmm. you need to throw away all the classifications and start looking at the things that are important and do you- a hundred percent and needs what is important to you I mean I've got a bow in here that I hunt with right now that's 36 inches axle axle people are like oh my god how do you do that easy every day any day that I get to go out and I can shoot it 120 yards accurately I can shoot it at 20 yards accurately. I can get in a tree saddle, a tree stand, ground blind. I can spot and stalk. It doesn't matter. I've never looked at that bow and said, damn, I sure wish that was smaller. Yeah. Ever. But that's me, okay, because there's things that I look at. I'm not a very big guy, so when I get in a ground blind, even with a 36-inch axle-axle bow, I'm not worried about hitting the roof. Now, if you're 6'5", and, you know, a big old dude, then obviously your problems are different than mine. You know, I can't ride some rides at Six Flags. He hits the, his cam on the top of the boat or on the ceiling in his ground butt, right? So we got different problems. So that's what I'm saying. Just take all those classifications out and throw them out the window, where and just look at the bow. Look at the bow for what it is and not what they tell you it is. Oh, it's a target bow. No, you can get it in black. Like you can go hunting with it. Like let's be yeah. real. So a, there's
0: a deer is a target too.
2: 100%. Exactly. <laughs> So. But you know let us talk about the bow back. I mean like I, I, the funny thing is guys just go into this arena. I got three separate gentlemen come to my come to my shop and they say they take on me just to talk. He say, dodge, I really need to give some serious advice. you know this would be my my what, the first time after about 20 years not hunting. I want a bow that I can really really shoot. I'm uh, say he say I want a 60 pound bow. I want a boat that I can. I don't have any dealer next to me. I want a boat that's super easy to tune. What boat should I buy? <laughs> I said, what do you really want to do? I said, I just want a boat to hunt. I want to boat for at least next five years. I'm not buying anything new. I'm not rich. Which I can tell the guy, to, the guy section from Central, uh, Central West, West Virginia. So he got a buddy who got a place here. So he said, what do I do? I said, you really want to know? He said, yes, point me a boat. I'm going to spend some money and I'm not I'm gonna buy them used. I said, Yes, I now the guy's talking real money now. After everything said and done, I say, you want a boat that's super easy to service, you can hunt reliably. And he say, and then you know I don't have money, I want a boat with the resale value. Okay, well, then throw a lot of stuff that I like expedition obsession. <laughs> yeah, throw you throw those uh, you yeah. throw them all away and you left up with Hoy Matthew, Botec, pretty much that right there. And I say, you know what? I time I told him to buy. The Z7 Extreme or the Z2 or the Z3. As I said, get that bow, put a titanium kit in it, put a new set of strings, then you shoot the bow every two, three years, put a new set of strings. That's the end of everything you need to do. And you know what? It's not a joke. If I have to pick between a brand, brand new uh, V3X compared to a Z7 Extreme, I would buy, I would get the Z7 Extreme if my life depends on it. Seriously, if I have the one, a serious expedition, no supply, I have to be in the freaking mountain for the next six weeks for, say, an elk or goat hunt. I would pick the Z-3 Extreme every single time.
0: I shot my first buck with a Z-7 Extreme, and I hung that bow up in my basement. I don't, um, my dad shoots it now because I got the, the, the newest and greatest, you know, but um, I love that bow. That thing was sweet. And a lot of people talk about that being one of the, the best um, Matthews ever made. So, I, so it's interesting you mentioned the Z3 also, because I went from the Z7 Extreme to the Z3. So that was my second bow. And the reason I killed my first buck with my Z7 Extreme was because I cut the string on my Z3 with a broadhead during <laughs> during a hunt, so thank God I had a backup bow, and yeah. I I hunted with the <laughs> Z7 Extreme for a year. I, I'm I'm a short guy; I'd gravitate towards the the short um, ATA bows, and that yeah. that bows 28 axle axle. Love them.
2: Just remember that my personal, from an engineering point of view, that bow you cannot possibly easy to surface, easy to bring back. I mean, look at the C- V3X. How many cables are strings on it? Five, five right? pieces. Minimum five. Okay, look at the C3. How many cables and strings are there? Two. two. But at the same time, you notice that back then when they all come out, the string technology is nowhere close to what we have today. I mean, Tyler is a string maker. To be fair, if your life depends on it and you have the next say two years, mm-hmm. that's what you get for food for your family. What boat would you have picked?
1: I would not be that far off. I mean, for me, there's there's some systems now that are really reliable and really you can make very strong. So, you know, if you look at from a from a simplicity and a strength aspect, like the binary cam stuff Mm -hmm. works really well because it has two control cables. They're identical and then a string. So each cable is carrying an equal load. it's a it's a good strong system like you can make it very absolutely simple. the thing is is there's some particulars about it there's you've got to be very clever at how you make the timing perfect on one of those bows because you're mm-hmm. subjected to a half a twist or a whole twist and sometimes you might only need an eighth of a of a string rotation to change the length enough to make the timing perfect so there's some stuff that you can get that will help that i think uh conquest or black eagle has those little the end time deal where you can put those things inside of them to change the, the path of the cable to get your timing perfect. But from a strength aspect, that's about as good as it gets. And then, you know, for me, I, I'm a, I'm kind of with George on the keep it simple, stupid, like the less things that could potentially be a hazard. I'm good with that. I like it. I like to be simple. So, you know, like that prime, like their Nexus bows, that's a seven piece system. Does the bow shoot mm-hmm. well? Sure, yeah. I mean, they're they're really good bows. The problem is, is working on them is kind of a pain in the butt. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, does the system work? Yes. Is it is it way overkill trying to? So the funny part is, is you see where they went. The very next evolution of their line went from seven pieces to three. Mm-hmm. They completely ditched their parallel cam system after building that seven piece setup. Why? the the The
2: machining everything Uh, is so difficult there's
1: traumatic benefits to what they're doing now you know their Mm -hmm. new inline bows they're phenomenal they're really good you know what i mean so Mm -hmm. you know and and the cool part about like say darton so darton's got a binary cam bow and they've Mm -hmm. got a um a four track setup and then they've got that new e system which is like a two and a half cam and that system's extremely strong. Like the way it works, instead of being like a force multiplier, it almost works like a block and tackle and makes the system easier mm-hmm. how it works. So, which is phenomenal. And it tunes ridiculous. Cause you have a yoke at both ends. I can put it mm-hmm. in a press and, and in two seconds, I can make the arrow do whatever I want it to do. Yep. But it's a five piece setup still. So there's still a lot of components that go into the system. So then you start from a design standpoint, you start. You know, they've done a good job at trying at figuring out how to make that system more efficient because when you start adding more pieces, you start decreasing efficiency. Mm -hmm. So, learning how to get the most out of that system, which these people are doing a good job at now. So, but, but hundred percent, the more simple you can keep it, the better off you're going to be. I mean, because let's if you look at if you break down how these cam systems work, even a four track is technically like a binary cam. So mm-hmm. Matthew's stuff, even though it has a harness up there in the top, like your V3X has a harness in the top, it's still kind of a binary system the way it works. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it's, it's, just balancing the load on the bearings and stuff basically is what's happening. It's a binary cam setup without pulling on just one side.
2: Okay.
1: So, um, you know, it's still very good, but the weak point is the harness. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? you that's, need to
2: push the pull the and forward to yeah to that's, that's the weak
1: point so the harness is the weak spot so you know we're basically everybody's fishing for a new way to sell
2: us the same thing. Um, yep, I mean think about it. If you just on a Matthew you want to on a V3X, if you want to change the cable strings and, and everything, the first thing you do is pop all axles. Yeah, take the cam. Think out. about it. <laughs> 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 exactly, yeah. you take the cam out. Yeah. but what I, mean, I mean, unless you're crazy about it, but think about it. If I want to change a string and cable on a Z7 Extreme, how long do you take me from beginning to the end? About a minute, about 60 seconds.
1: Okay, and you want to do that's having to fish it. That's having to fish it through the little roller guard and all that stuff. Correct,
2: yeah. that's the only thing. Now, how long do you think it's going to do a V3X on the cable and the string change, including oh, the yoke? Oh, if you're lucky to minutes. do it in 20 minutes, you're yeah. damn good. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> Yeah, trust so, me, I, it, I've been through it. <laughs> yeah. And it's simple. It's
1: not hard, right? We're not, I'm not, we're not trying to knock on it. It's not, it's not hard. It's simple. It's a simple exchange. It's no big deal. It's just time. Consuming. That's all. Correct.
2: Right. Oh. Uh, but see, mm-hmm. this is where it is. I mean, when I first do that, I learned to do everything slower because see the moment you forgot about one of the loops and you go in the wrong place and, and you put it together it the pressure. <laughs> oh yeah. shit, I just cut a thread on the on the pulley. Yeah, yeah. Now, now i to call somebody like Terry or like Catherine. Hey, hey, <laughs> Can you send me a yeah. new uh, the cable? What happened? Yeah. Oh, this is the second time I do this. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, But it's not catch yeah. me. It is not as bad as changing a Mission Crossbow cable. Oh, okay. gosh. <laughs> or, or Raven. <laughs> yeah, but that's you know the thing But at this time we need to talk about crossbow exclusively because because you guys, just for joke, you need to really go into it just to see how fun crossbow is. Because you think vertical bow is bad? (sighs) We need to talk about crossbows. I have (laughs)
0: zero experience. Yeah. That's the reason we need to
2: talk about it. So at least people know what they're missing. Oh, those crossbow guys got it so easy. They just point the D and shot it and kill it. And no. They have yeah. their set of problems. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah, you got to think about with a crossbow, you can't just walk up and move a rest or change timing or lean a cam one way or the other to fix a paper tear. It's a whole lot more critical with a crossbow to get an arrow to fly right. They don't just magically mm-hmm. all have perfect arrow flight. That doesn't exist.
2: Right. No, and on top of that, remember, yes, you're, you're shooting. I mean, right now, the slowest crossbow you want to buy is 430 feet per second. Just think about what aerodynamic means.
1: Yeah, it's extremely complex. Four
2: hundred. And then now you've the got Raven 500 and the 505. Technically, I mean, a few of the 10 points. I'm seeing 515, 518 on the chrono. Think about what that means.
0: Yeah, that's pretty, <laughs> that's pretty incredible. Um, we have, we're, we're down to the last 10 minutes. Um, mm-hmm. Tyler, what is your personal hunting bow setup for, for this fall?
1: um right now as we speak i've got a um darton tempest 3d so technically it's that it's that target bow right <clears throat> so the thing is is i was shooting that Spectre, and the, and the thing the thing for me with these bows is is you know they're they're not i wouldn't say you know, like everybody pretty much knows that name but they don't know really much about any of the new stuff like what they're doing in the the effort they're putting into the quality of materials, the tolerances, and just how well the bow shoots. Cause for me, is there faster bows I could shoot hundred percent? I'm not a long drawing guy. So getting speeds not is, is hard. So I could definitely shoot some different stuff, but for me, that bow shoots and aims so good for me and it's fast enough. So I'm at like 74 or five pounds. I've got 17 and a half pounds of holding weight. Um, I'm shooting a 426 green arrow at 280 feet a second down the butt and I can shoot it out past hundred yards. So uh, it's still flat enough shooting because of how my arrow is set up. I'm not running 25% FOC. I'm probably running like 10. Um, and I've got a real flat sight tape. It's super forgiving, you know, and that's, that's what I'm shooting right now. I mean, that could change in a couple of weeks. I mean, who knows? um i'm one of those guys that i could set one up the night before and i can still go hunt with it the next day it doesn't bother me um so it's it's you know the bow the way it's set up right now it's it's a tempest 3d 36 inch bow you know it's got a six and a half inch brace height and it's like technically like a 320 325 ibo bow and i mean i'm hunting out west and people are like that's crazy you know why would you why would you have a bow that's that slow or whatever it's because at 100 yards i could shoot all my arrows inside of a dixie cup that's why important so you know for me that's the overall that's the number one deal could i shoot it out of a tree stand 100 we used to shoot 40 inch axle axle bows out of tree stands
2: yeah know, remember the oneiders yeah i mean
1: i can can i hunt out of the, off the ground with it yeah 100 percent. so i've i've loved the bows it's it's really quiet um you know so it checks a lot of boxes for me man and uh um I've been super pleased with it. I mean, the quality of materials, they've got the best bearing in the business period. Like, cause I'm weird about that stuff. Right. So I, I nitpick the like little bitty things that drive me crazy about bows. There's a lot of bow companies out there that put like a 39 cent bearing in a $2,000 bow. It makes no sense to me. Mm-hmm. That is such a critical component to a bow. Why would you do that? Right. You know, they've got a five eights um, by quarter inch bearing. That is a phenomenal bearing. A super high-end bearing in the bow that'll never be a problem for you. Mm-hmm. you know I mean? So, and then you know it's a seven thousand series aluminum. Every all the components is I just it's a bow I don't have to worry about. I could shoot it six months and put it up and pick get it out and shoot it six months later and it hits in the same place.
0: Nothing changes. That's pretty great. George, no. what do you hunt mm-hmm.
2: with? Well, actually, the, this year with my shoulder a little bit better, I'm I'm picking up my uh, O Expedition Eccentric XP. Well, by the way, that boat original, when I tuned it back in 2014, that boat shoot about uh, well, 15, that boat shoot 355. After freaking six years, I haven't changed the cable and string yet. We just do the testing. Well, by the way, I did the other, other radar test. You guys going to see that result report from Tony Warden. We shot three uh, 270 arrows different arrows, 270 different arrows with different weight and so on. You're not going to see that result. Hey, by the way, the lab radar works, isn't it? Yeah. You can yeah. see a yeah. lot more stuff. We're going to publish all the data. Right now, we're building a website to show you all the stuff we talk about in hardcore data. So people say, well, we, you know, that's your opinion. No, this is no opinion. We, we're going to shoot that thing. We take a picture of the lab radar so everybody can see the, the, the de- degradation of the speed and the weight and so on. We're going to make some conclusions. Mm. So yeah, by the way, I'm shooting back the expedition eccentric. It should uh, 343. I see it. it's not bad. He lost a 12 feet per second after six years. <laughs> <laughs> I would have my 347 green arrow. So that's the bow. I'm, if I shoot vertical that day, that's the bow I'm going to pick up. The old expedition eccentric. That's the same bow you pick. You touch yes, I, I put the air rest uh, micro adjust on it. Yeah, that bow weighs four pounds three ounces complete. That's arrow stabilizer awesome. sight the whole nine yards. Yeah, but I mean, you know when you get old, you enjoy that. The, those finer things in life. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, that's good. I, I I look forward to to seeing how your guys' hunting season plays out, George. I was telling Tyler I leave today for North Dakota. So. so oh. awesome. I'm I'm headed out there for season opens on Friday, and then we're oh. right into it. So
2: are you going to mule deer,
0: whitetail?
1: I asked him the same thing. I was like, "You kill, you mule deer hunting?" <laughs> no,
2: nope, yeah, gonna. because he did. That. I, I got guys killing mule deer already. I know that. But uh, uh, August 17, one guy sent me his uh, mule deer picture already.
1: Man, yeah, we didn't know they
2: were. All... Mm-hmm.
1: We're we're hunting mule deer and coues deer right now. So my ten year old son, man, was like two seconds from his first coos deer in uh, on on Sunday, man. It was we needed one step, one step, man. We were, we were gonna go, but it's he'll get it done. He'll get it done. He's spotting stalking coos deer at ten years old. It's pretty pretty impressive little dude, man. That's
0: badass.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's what happened when you go to bed. be demand the best.
0: <laughs> oh man, yeah. That's right. That's right. Well, sounds good, guys. Um, like I said, I got a hey, hey, good yeah. luck,
2: to you, my my friend. Enjoy it, and just Thank remember: you. I, I, Are you gonna crawl? Or are you gonna in the, in the tent?
0: Whatever, whatever means possible.
2: <laughs> okay, I'm going to get something. However, yeah, that's the attitude I like. Whatever okay. means possible. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna
0: get it done. So that's awesome. I uh, like I won't be able to talk to you guys next week. I'll be out there, but um, next week after that, we'll be talking to you. Thanks, you guys, for joining Heck me. Yeah. And uh, we'll we'll talk to you guys next time. Awesome.